love of the Heap's mission is not to bash, rip, pan, grill, or flambe the subjects we explore. Nor are we here to put performers and other artists down. More importantly, we also recognize that part of the creative process is failure, and believe facing those failures with a critical but genial attitude should be the norm. There can be no success without failure. After all, you can't spell hopeful without flop. Hello? Hi. Hi. Do you have, do you have a drink? Yes. I miss the days when we used to drink on this podcast. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did what? we stop at some point? Wait, have you been drinking this whole time? Yes. <laughs> John, I have not drank on this podcast in probably a year. Wait, why? Um, great question. I, I think I kept putting understand. the glass down. It was too loud. I was getting mad at myself. <sighs> but you weren't mad at yourself for any of the other obnoxious noise that you make? No. This chair is part of the ambiance. Part of the charm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay, so we're this is a special bonus episode. We're going to do a little listener mail. We're going to do a little bitching. We're going to do a little of everything. Should we start with... Um, let's, let's start with how our days are. How, how was your day, John? My day was... Good. Um, I worked in Bryant Park, I sold some bugs, and I went for a nice long walk afterwards. Now, I had a beer, and I'm now I'm having my third beer. Oh, wait, when did the second beer happen? Uh, before dinner. Okay. There's just, is there, there's a missing beer. Just, okay. Yes, how was your day? Um, let's see, it started, it, it's been a, 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 a Marla's mother day. Um, oh, that's always fun. It started at 4.30 a.m. when I got three separate phone calls and one text from uh -oh. Citibank. Whoa. Because somehow, someway, someone, my mother made my phone number the contact number for her credit card. Oh. And she could not remember the password to get into her account, so she kept pressing the thing that was like, Send a text or email with a, um, you know, a, 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 a code reminder, to yeah. change your password. Yeah. And I, <laughs> it was telling her that if they were sending what? it to my phone number, by the way. Like, it said on the thing, it said it was going to my phone number. Uh, like, it, it, it's, it had the last four digits. So she knew, should have known it was mine. Did she ever call me to be like, hey, sorry, I need to fix this thing. Somehow it got changed to this. Could you... Send me the code they sent you. No, 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 no. She's going to do it over <laughs> and over and over again. Uh, you woke at, up to this? At 4.30. Oh, my God. And I was, why? like, afraid that she's getting, like, um, scammed or something. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, like, my heart was racing at 4.30 in the morning. Um, and then I had to deal with that in the middle of the day today, too, uh, because she tried to do it again. And then I had to, of course, fix her account for her. And now you're going to love this. Oh, boy. I informed her that since I'm not getting enough hours and I need something, I was like, I'm thinking about working retail at an adult boutique. And she freaked out. Oh, my God. This oh is God. not what I raised my daughter for. Hey, at least she's saying daughter now. I know, I know. Hey, um, you gotta be grateful for small baby steps, you know? God. Like, she started screaming at me about monkeypox. I'm like, what do you think happens, oh what do you think happens at these stores? Monkeypox. Like, if I'm gonna be forced to work in retail, I'm gonna work around queer people and in something that's not soul-sucking. Oh, my God, yeah. I, I mean, that's no judgment there. Yeah, so that was, like... That's still a whole thing right right now, in this moment. She's still pissed at me. And then she, oh, she texted Luna. Okay. To be like, did Martha tell you that she's thinking about working at a, at a sex shop? No, Marla doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> like, I tell my part, of course my partner knows. Like, we, 
this is not a prudish household. Like, right. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. So speaking of prudish, I just finished a very short, uh, a brief run of Spring Awakening up in Connecticut. Yes. It's a lot. It's such a, what you, you know, Spring Awakening, right? Yeah. I know Spring Awakening. Yeah. Did you see either production on Broadway? No, I didn't. Okay. They're releasing some new, what is that called now? When we shoot a uh, pro shot of some production later this year, I oh, think. Oh, they're releasing a pro shot, huh? Yes. I don't know where the Of the original or the Deaf West? N- no, it's another newer production. Oh, cool. I mean, it's... It was uh, your production. That you didn't see the cameras? <laughs> <laughs> they pro shot it and I didn't realize. <laughs> I doubt it. Um... I, I, it was it was an interesting experience. You know what? I something positive I took out of it is like to have, you know, it's a different appreciation that you walk away from like a short, small gig than when you leave a you know a quote unquote big gig, a tour, a, a regional, something like that. Yeah. But the fact that it was kind of over in a weekend made it kind of special and magical, which I haven't done in a long time. You know. Yeah, I mean, not since high school. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, I've done some professional jobs that were over really? in a week. You, you, did, you worked in Ocean City, right? No. The Ocean City Pops no, only no, does I've, their shows no. for four or five. No, I've, I've never worked in Ocean City. Oh. I thought you had at one point. No. You, you did um, Ocean Professional or whatever that yes. <laughs> Steiner. In, uh, <laughs> in, in the professional, in the biggest level. Whatever it was. Oh, Lordy Lou. <laughs> So this was sort of like that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, because th- these are all young actors, it's like a pre-college program. And, and me and the, the adult woman were the only people hired in. So it was like, just interesting. Because they had they had been working on the show for months. Wait, you mean you didn't play together. Moritz? <laughs> no, I, my Moritz days are over. <laughs> God, I would have loved to have played Moritz if, I, if that show was about when I was younger. Jesus. I could bring some pathos to that role. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, we, okay, so I think what the reason I asked you to record this random episode, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we're not doing uh, a flop tonight. Um, we're just... Bitching? I need to bitch a little bit. I really do. So Sutton Foster and Aaron Tveit are going to be the replacements for, uh, what's his name? <laughs> um, Josh Groban. Alan Brosman, Joe Jonas, uh, who's playing Sweeney Todd? Josh Groban. Groban, Groban, Josh Groban. And uh, Annalie Ashford. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, uh, the Josh Groban is stunt casting to begin with, but like, didn't the 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 small corner of theater internet kind of explode when they announced it? <laughs> I just, it's absurd. Did you see the video I made? Uh, I don't think so. I, I did, no. I did. I took the end of um, the Joanna Quartet, right? And you started you started tap dancing? No, no, no. I did, um... Wake up, Joanna, another bright red day, we learned Joanna to say. And I did that with um, George Hearn. And then the keys match up into Aaron Tveit at the end, end of um, Catch Me If You Can. Isn't it nice when the mashup that you thought of in your mind actually matches keys? Yes. <laughs> it's so satisfying. Yeah, so that was, yeah, that that got passed around uh, the internet <laughs> a yeah. lot. Where does Olive want to go, in or out? In. Okay, Olive. well, let her in, and okay. maybe she won't Hold make on. as much noise if she's scratching the whole time. Oh, how did your Christine Jor- uh, Jorgensen audition go? They applauded me? Oh, they, yes, you said you got a laugh, right? I got an applause. That's amazing. I got um, multiple laughs, but, like, I got... You think you'll get, uh, get a call back then? Yeah, well, I hope they just give it to me, quite honestly. Would you uh, give me her, like, quick uh, Wikipedia rundown bio? What is... what is She's Scandinavian trans activist or just trans human? Um, I get... Yeah, she's a bit of an activist. Okay. Entertainer? Singer? She became an entertainer. That's what a lot of the musical... Um, okay. is about is like the guy who like trained her to become an entertainer okay um but interesting she's just like the, the first big popularized 
person trans surgery in you know and scandinavians say jorgensen not jorgensen right i guess so i think i think so she lived in america like she did not have an accent oh so she may have been known as jorgensen more than (laughs) yeah her parents were i guess scandinavian or whatever they were Um, i don't know whether they were yeah norwegian swedish or whatever yeah i think they were or no they were danish danish i think what the four Scandinavians are Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and Finland, and I feel yeah. like Iceland is kind of in there somewhere. I don't know. I don't. I, geography is my worst subject. Oh really? I promise I will learn this if I get the role. I f- <laughs> love geography. Yeah. So they applauded, and I don't know. Like the pay is decent. It's right after I'll be done with getting my tits. So like. well and it's also nice when the rarity of a role that just really works comes across normally we're all playing things we're not (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know so that's kind of just exciting to be fair i i was never danish and i never was in the (laughs) army (laughs) did she also have sleep apnea i mean could you play that Well, I'm glad it went well. That's really good. Um, the there have been okay. So, what do you have to say about the Foster Tivate announcement? Do you have an annou- like anything to say? I think the only thing I have to say is, I think it's a bad idea, and I don't want to be made to feel guilty for saying that out loud. I it's okay to have opinions about theater. It is okay. I don't want anyone to die. I don't think anyone should go to jail. But I do. I think according to my taste, (laughs) that it is a poor idea. I think it is a... But, as we... It is a stunt casting thing, and they want to sell tickets, and that's a worthy reason to cast people in roles, right? Yeah. I think... I think if I were Sutton in someone else, I would not be bothered by Sutton. Because she is a comedian, like... I guess that's yes. I would agree with that statement. Yeah, I just think I don't the, think I would be as bothered. Maybe oh, maybe she was disappointed that it was him too. <laughs> uh, when you put the two of them together, it just feels like they're going for hot and just it's more yassification of of Broadway. Yeah, like why do we have to yassify every character? Oh my god, define yassify for the audience. Oh my god, make them hot. <laughs> Give them a glow up, like. Seymour make sure they're half naked. Make sure that they work out. <laughs> like, <Yes>. like <laughs> Seymour getting played by Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> like, sure, but that's the thing. Jake Gyllenhaal's a brilliant actor and probably surprised a lot of people, which I think is what um, uh, what's his name, Harry Potter, uh, Daniel Radcliffe is doing yeah. when he makes a Broadway appearance. It's like, oh, he's the Harry Potter kid, and then you see him, and he's like, he's good, but he's also you know? not. You know, he's not particularly hot. He's not particularly hot, but he is a symbol, and he is a celeb, and he is... Well, him I would call stunt casting, though he might be... Well, right. He has enough theater chops by now that it, it might I might not think of it that way. Yeah. I, um, didn't, I didn't get to see Equus. I really wish I had seen Equus. Are you going to try to see Merrily? I did! I saw the Merrily oh. uh, invited dress. Oh. Aren't you so <laughs> special? Uh, yeah, um, we have a podcast connection there. Got it. Um, what was I going to say? Yassification. Oh, also, like, okay, here's here's what we, like, same thing with um, Ricky Martin as Che, right? Like, he... Okay, but see, now, sometimes stunt... That isn't even stunt casting, because, I don't know, is it? I think it's subcasting and yassification in that case. It's and both, it's, but it's, he was also right for the role. It's not that he wasn't for right the role. for it. Yes, he was right That's for the, the role. That's the thing. I, I have very opinionated opinions about who's right for the role. I just have opinionated opinions about lots of things in theater. <laughs> but here's the point I'm going to make. Sweeney. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Martin as Che. And Orpheus in Town. What is our f-ing obsession with putting men in tight white Henleys with suspenders? I mean, it, it's a good, um, it's a good shape that's created. I guess. Yeah. It's getting a little old. Uh, 
God, they've done it so many times. Well, I mean, it's not not part of a lot of leading male roles is hotness factor. It, it doesn't have to be in a lot of cases, but it, it typically is. Even for, What about a... us uggos, John? <laughs> hey, listen, there's been plenty of meaty roles for character actors as well. Yeah, but they're taking them away. Like, they don't let I'll put, You act- and I will play Mama Rose someday, don't worry. <laughs> They don't let character <laughs> actors play lead roles, but they let leading well, players that's play character part of it, actors. Yes, and I think that's the same, same thing with, like, baritones being upset, because it's like, oh, the baritones are upset. But, like, yeah, there aren't a lot of scores for us, so how come we now have less than none? I know. You know? And we'll change keys up. We'll never change them down. Like, come on. It's just so gross. And I just think I literally have only seen... I've only seen Aaron Tveit sing one song, and it was Marry Me a Little on the Sondheim tribute, and it was bad. So maybe that one single time he sang, he didn't know how to act, but I'm thinking that maybe he doesn't know how to act, given that that was as bad as it was. He's not my favorite actor. Okay, I feel like that was real bad. (laughs) You said he can't act. But I th- that's the thing. He sang it beautifully, which I'm sure Josh Groban does too. I didn't see Josh Groban do it. I saw the understudy, and the understudy yeah. was an actor and brought it. I mean, I just think that acting is so important in the role. It's so perverted, you know? Aaron Tveit, though, I've really been enjoying in Schmigadoon. Have you seen Schmigadoon? I've seen the first couple episodes of the first season, yes. I want to keep watching it, but I haven't I haven't watched it it's all. It's so good. He's, he sings like uh, the carousel knockoff in episode yes, one or two, right? Yeah. Yes, and then in season two, he's like um, a mix of Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar, Jesus and Godspell, and um, Burger and Hair. Oh, and um, the main character in Pippin. Pippin. Oh, Pippin. Yeah. What's the second season called? Schmicago? Schmicago. <laughs> so good. I mean, I do love what's her name from SNL, uh, the actress. Um... Uh, Jane Krakowski? No, 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 no. She plays the, the main girl that gets sucked oh, in. Oh, uh, C- Cecily something? Cecily Strong. Yeah. Not Cecily Tyson. Um, oh, uh, let's do some trivia. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so... Are we going to go back to Broadway news? Because there's more Broadway news. Oh, yeah. I mean, what if we have to talk about the heart of rock and roll? <laughs> uh, we have to talk about Boy George. And we have oh, to talk Boy about... Oh, Boy George is coming into... Wait, remind me? Moulin Rouge. That's right. Wow. I kind of want to go see it. Is it going to be I've bad? Seen, I've seen it once. <laughs> is it going to be bad? No, like he's going to bring some life to it. Yeah, but like I said to you, he, in at least during Taboo, he was notoriously difficult to work with because he keeps like this, like, solar schedule where he's like, something's oh, oh, in oh. retrograde, I can't go to work today. It's like, we have eight shows this week. <laughs> yeah. Like... Um, well, that it doesn't mean he won't be interesting and good in the show, no, maybe. No, of course not. Yeah. Um, Do you want to go see it? Should we go together? I don't see shows twice. Oh, you saw Mulan. See, I haven't seen it yet. The other big news, the most important news, is Aubrey Plaza and Patty Lapone sharing an apartment. <laughs> and Patty Lapone doing Aubrey Plaza's laundry and making her soup. I cannot, Marla, I cannot tell you how not ready I was this week for me to be scrolling through social media and seeing breaking news. <laughs> That in Patty Lapone like has opened her guest room. Like, how is this breaking news? I just, I can't. Like, it is it's so funny. It's so do you, crazy. Do you remember Patty Lapone like a year, two years ago, looking being crazy? Yes, asking people like, anyone got a place on Fire Island I can rent? Like, what is what is up with her? Oh, just reaching out in public instead of texting the appropriate people. Yeah. I mean, but then, you know, she dropped her equity card. I mean, she's she's a loony bird. (laughs) Just, I mean, everyone, everyone that I, you know, I've, I've only worked with people that have worked with people that have worked with her. Although Maddie Price was in, um, Gypsy. He was a, you know, I shared a a dressing space with her, right? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, you did. Well, anyone that I know that's, like, interacted with her in any way, intimate or not, has said that she's perfectly fine and funny. And I, I, I love that, but it's also, like, you know, the fantasy that she's a crazy lunatic, which she's maybe a little bit of that, too. She's got energy, I'll say that. She's got some of that energy, yeah. Um, well, as far as a performer, she's just always, um, she always brings it, you know, and she's got, I mean, I, I think, I think she's got a great, <laughs> she can sing very well. I don't always enjoy her singing, but she can sing Just very well and she can tell a story. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Hey, tell me again, Oh, God. Oh, my God. So, wait a minute. What is... Wait, who is linking up with Patti Lapone? Aubrey Plaza. Oh, yes. Plaza. What is Aubrey Plaza working on that she needs to crash in the upper... Is it She's east side? She's doing a straight play, I think. Okay. I don't, something in the sea. I can't remember That's the name That's good. Of it. I kind of... I mean, it, it's funny, but it also warms my heart a little bit to know that, you know, actors are helping out other actors, even the, like, famous, awesome, talented ones I love and respect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Aubrey is... Um... Everyone's pissed at her at the moment. Oh, God. What did she... Is she getting canceled? Why? No, she signed the, like, letter that was like, thank you, President Biden, for backing Israel. Oh, oh. I mean... Just some, some Zionist Everyone feels like they have to do something. Jeez. Have we... All right. So now we have to talk about Gaza and Israel for do a second. <laughs> Like I'm doing it enough on, like I'm doing it you so imagine? much on TikTok. Well, what does the flop Broadway podcast have to say about the Middle East conflict? <laughs> I've seen a lot. You know, I like that everything came to a head real quick as far as opinions on social media. Like pretty quickly, people called out other people for being blatantly, yeah, <laughs> either ignorant, well, blatantly yeah. ignorant on either side. It's like no, like you can say your statement and also remember. That people I mean, are it's dying. Fucking, it's it's fucking unbearable to be like. It's unbearable. I'm so okay. That's all the time we have for. That's all the time we have. For. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most political show we've done so far? The most political show we've done. Um. Oh, what is the uh, Flahuli? Okay. Yes, it is political. What else did you say? More overtly political would be Let Him Eat Cake. Oh yeah. Um, uh, the um. I think maybe Hyman Kaplan might be a little political. Tenderloin's a little political. I was going to say the one that takes place in the hotel. At the uh, end of the world? Yeah. Dance a little closer. Yeah, that's... It's more existential, but there's political elements, yes. Because how could there not be? (laughs) Um... All right. I'm glad we talked about Gaza a little bit. So anyway, uh, we came up with some fun... We're really run into it. Uh, How about some trivia? Okay. Okay, I'm going to start. Ready? Go for it. Ladies and gentlemen and folks of all types, please enjoy Trivia with John and Marla. Ta-da! Pew, pew, pew! What flop's plot involves money earned through the reselling of stolen fur coats? 70 Girls 70. That is correct. Okay, my turn, my turn. In the cosmic fiasco via Galactica... Cannot wait for this. What was the profession of the main character, Gabriel Finn? <sighs> okay, my first instinct is carpenter, but I'm going to go with garbage man. There it is. Intergalactic <laughs> sanitation worker. <laughs> Intergalactic. How far do we have to send this garbage? <laughs> Just throw it into the atmosphere of wherever you're near. Okay, um... <laughs> What famous Broadway songwriting team wrote the score for the flop Tenderloin? Oh, shit. That one is... Think about it. I know. It's Bach and Harnick? Correct. That's Lower East Side. (laughs) Um, Which, by the way, in looking back at old episodes, uh, you listed as Brock and Harnick. No, I didn't. <laughs> on the podcast entry, so I'm I'll gonna, have to go change I'm gonna that. I'm going to fix that. Yeah, I, I'm going to leave it. It's fine. It's an Easter egg. It's an Easter egg. <laughs> okay, my turn. My turn. Oh, this one's going to be hard. Oh, I wish we'd done more than three. What was the name of the real life bridge jumper that was the basis for the musical Kelly? Fuck. I think this is my hardest one. Not Kelly. His name was not Kelly. 
No. Jesus. Okay, I'm gonna say Seamus O'Flanagan. <laughs> I mean, I I could be right. Steve Brody. Steve Brody. Oh yes. Okay, Brody. That was a tough one. That's tough. That's tough. But I should have known it because I'm a New York tour guide. <laughs> I think my next one is 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 easier. But go. Okay. Uh, I went in. I made mine easy, middling, and hard. Which Broadway flop was criticized by Ben Brantley as having far too many botanical puns about sex organs? (laughs) Far too many botanical puns. Botanical puns. Oh my god, what is this? Triumph of Love. That's, yep, there it is. (laughs) Okay, what's your third? What color... Did Doug Henning demand his dressing Stop room it. be painted Stop for it. Merlin? Oh my god. Purple. It, wait, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Blue. Green. Blue. <laughs> the correct Purple. answer. It's yellow. Bubblegum pink. <laughs> <laughs> what made you think of that? What a good I question. Don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Of all the things we've talked about, Doug Henning's dressing room color. <laughs> I love that so much. That is definitely a little bit of ephemera that I had forgotten about. Oh. <laughs> Where did the ducks go? Where did the ducks go? Just like think about the rehearsal where they were like, I don't think the audience gets that the ducks are disappearing. <laughs> if you could say the trick out loud as you do the trick, just in case. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think they're going to understand that Vendla had an abortion. If you could maybe say abortion a few times. <laughs> like, just so funny. But you know these decisions oh, do happen because you've witnessed them. <laughs> like, yes, in rehearsal. You've seen these things occur. I like... mean, I, I recently did, you know, a farce, you know, where everything has to be so timed. precise and pre- yeah. timed and it's like this person's in this room and this person's in this room and they're going in this room and they're looking for this person but they're actually looking for this you know and yeah, you can't be in the room when they open the door and don't see you in the middle of this rehearsal process like they had to make major changes that like screwed up a bunch of the other stuff <laughs> i mean naturally of course and no one thought of it except you <laughs> yeah yeah it was um in this rehearsal process for what i just did they we blocked the whole thing to like in the rehearsal studio to sixteen on each side. And you know then the, the stage number was as far as the, the number line. And the stage was ten to ten. No. <laughs> like how did no. anyone I mean I could understand if it was twelve and ten, but it's sixteen to ten. We mostly were using the numbers above ten to, to oh my like God. and I couldn't believe that we had to like restage everything and although when it comes to the goddamn number line, am I ever going to remember to stand on eight and a half? Or am I just going to know to be in my f***ing lighting? Come on. I feel like the numbers are for the dance numbers, you know? If you're if you're making a, I don't know, <laughs> the shape of a star or something guess, you have to be yeah. on. Nine and three quarters. I don't know. I, I understand why they're there, particularly in rehearsals. But that not that only if you have, like, a set? <laughs> Did you not have a set? Well, you know, Spring Awakening is just tables and chairs, and they yeah. it's like, you know, a, a space. On Broadway, and the original musicians were on stage. I don't know about the, the revival. I don't know either. I don't know. I love when the band is on stage. It's always so fun. Do you? Speaking of band on stage, have you seen the clips for Boop? Um, I heard a clip for Boop today, and it sounded They're really fun. They're so good. I love it. God, thank God. <laughs> God, can we just say a little prayer? Barukata Adonai Eloheinu Melaka Thoroughly Modern Millie. Um, thank God for some good theater coming our way. I really I hope, just it's hope it good. does. Well. It can't be bad. It cannot be bad. It shouldn't be bad. And she's so good. Fun. I can't think of her name, but she is so. Oh my God, she's excellent. Her vocals were great, and from from what I remember, the song she was singing was like spot on mm-hmm. Broadway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, what else is... Oh, my God, today I read that uh, Uncle Vanya is coming to Lincoln Center starring Steve Carell. And guess what? Like, Excuse that's not me? like a Sutton Foster moment. Excuse <laughs> but, but me? St- <laughs> Excuse me? I mean, like, 
yeah. I mean, there's not not humor in Vanya, but it is also Vanya. (laughs) That really does seem like one of those things where, like, Steve Carell was like, I want to show everyone I can be serious. Make it happen. Right. Yes, and that's, I think, where the judgment comes in, is we assume that that's kind of the thing, but... You know, I mean, a good actor needs to play Vanya, and he's obviously a good actor. I mean, we know him from a ton of crazy comedy, but he's, you know, he wouldn't be where he is if he wasn't a good actor. And the same as, you know, Jim Carrey tried to kind of, like, explore beyond his wacky beginnings. And when he started doing things like The Truman Show, we were all like, yeah, he's a great actor. You know, we didn't need to be convinced it wasn't a gimmick. It was just him trying to get outside of the box that the system Hollywood Broadway has placed him in, you know? I would take any box at this point. I love Chekhov. I'd love to see a little Chekhov. And hey, if Steve Carell brings some muggles into the theater to see a Chekhov play, I am all for it. Good point. <laughs> I'm all for that. Do you think they'll hate it? Um, No, I don't no? think so. Because culturally, you're not allowed to. <laughs> Even if it's a bad production, you're culturally not allowed to say you didn't enjoy the production. It's like going to the opera and saying you didn't enjoy the opera. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not enjoy the, um, speaking of not enjoying opera, I don't, okay, I can't say I didn't enjoy it. We bought tickets, this is a few years ago, we bought tickets to the um, to the Magic Flute at Lincoln Center uh-huh. at the Met. And I didn't realize that it was like, the truncated version for, like, families. Okay, this was the, like, field trip version. Yeah, so it was, like, half as long. It's still the Met. It's still the Met, but it's, yeah, it's been It was the costumes. Costumes is, like, the first, you know, the big, you know, Hmm. acclaimed production of Magic Flute, whatever it was, like, ten years ago. Sure. Well, there is something to be said for it. I mean... yeah. I just don't it's like little, It's to... disappointing from an artist's perspective. It makes sense from a commercial perspective. It's important and good from a public perspective. Well, here's the... Okay, great. Here's a fourth question. So <laughs> okay. So for that, for that production, because it was truncated, they had to, like, give a synopsis in the playbill so okay. you could follow. Sure, yeah. What other musical <laughs> Little Shop of come... Horrors is this about a, a lonely young flower no, seller yeah. named Seymour. What other... <laughs> Musical did we cover that needed a synopsis in the playbill? <laughs> what? Okay. Um. Um. Is it Via Galactica? It is Via Galactica. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So for some future episodes, we need to do another political one. We need to do another one where the uh, the synopsis had to be included <laughs> in the program. <laughs> we have to do another one with Angela Lansbury. <laughs> We talk. We we were texting recently and and discovered that we had have not done any of the R and H flops. Correct. Which are I think it's because um, you really wanted to do what is it? Me and me and me Juliet. And Juliet. No. Yeah, you wanted to do me and Juliet, and then we found out it's not a flop. Oh, did I forgot about that? Yeah. What's the other one? Um, Cannery Row. Pipe Dream. Pipe Dream. Yes. Based on Cannery Row, the book. Is that correct? Did I get that right? Yes, I believe that's right. Yeah, uh, Cannery Row is—they uh, live in a pipe. <laughs> was <laughs> so Flower pipe. Drum Song? Pipe Dream. Was Flower Drum Song a flop? Flower Drum Song was not. No, that ran, okay. and was revived. God, I'll always kick myself for not seeing the Flower Drum Song revival because it will never play Happen Broadway again. again. <laughs> and Leah Salaga was in it. Hope you like Mugu Guy Pan. Do you think we'll see a, a full production of The Frogs after that little concert? Okay, so I feel like The Frogs was in the theater media this this last couple weeks too, right? Yeah, because of that. It little... was just a concert. It's not a revival. No, it was like a okay. two night presentation with like limited staging. I don't think I was clear on that. I'm really glad um, you got the uh, seventy girl seventy question because I was thinking that that might have been a little tricky. I. Actually, like, I fell in love with that elephant song, and I don't know why. It's a good song. It's a, it, that that's it's funny how so many good individual standalone songs, Candor and Ebb, came from that show. Yeah. yeah, I made this cute little TikTok sound. I had to use it again. I was hoping people would use it. It's the opening to the elephant song. 
Okay. Where she's like, um, we haven't talked about death. We've avoided the subject. So here's a little death song. And then it goes, does the piano do, 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 do. And then the windows like can't find something sound. The So what I did with it was like, I did like acted the whole thing out. And then as that sound came up, like disappeared <laughs> as if I had died. Like I had the old H filter on. It just like disappeared. <laughs> Where does an elephant go? Where does an elephant go? Mr. Billings, Mr. Billings, what happened to Patsy? I was, I, I'm always into New York history. I always read New York history stuff. Did you know Barnum's Museum was like right on Broadway near where City Hall is today? No, did not, you know, not, not did you where know it, it was is. attacked by um, Confederates. <laughs> oh God, was it? Yeah. Shit, no. Um, it, it's actually where the WeWork is today at two 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 Broadway. <laughs> Wait, the one yeah. downtown, the one that my that our company that we used to work for, your former it? company, my current company, <laughs> is located. <laughs> Barnum's Museum, once a circus, still a circus. You've seen the WeWork documentaries, right? About how much money they lost? About how, like, culty they were? Yes, and how much money they lost. They were losing, like, $100 million a week or something But spending money like it was water. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, Let's do some listener mail, shall we? Okay. This is uh, Connor McGiven, who I did Jekyll and Hyde with. Hi, Connor. Oh, yeah. I forgot. And he was out with um, Fiddler last year with Andrew Hendrick. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had too many thoughts about Bad Cinderella. So here is my Google Drive link to a recording I made. Lol. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see what Connor has to say. Hi, John. Hi, Marla. It's Connor. Uh, a different one from the guy who has been hosting with you. So Bad Cinderella, it does not come off. It doesn't work. And I think it's because... They might have been too afraid that they were going to go too deep for a children's musical. So they decided to state these themes and don't delve really too much deeper into them. And God, when one of my biggest problems with the show is a logic problem. And it has to do, it's, it's the turning point of Cinderella, where she decides she has to change herself. She starts off as a as a protester, as somebody who defaces, spray paints a statue commemorating Prince Charming, which to her is a statue that commemorates this crappy town that she lives in that it's only obsessed with looks. She gets tied up, left for dead in the forest, after the title song is sung. Her best friend and the prince, Sebastian, comes to help her. We get a look into their friendship. Hey, look, they're friends. They have, um, they have a relationship, a prior relationship. So before she has this meetup with Sebastian again, we see the relationship she has with her stepmother. And it's classic. The stepmother is awful. Her sisters are mean to her. Full stop. Like, that's, that's, what they, that's what poor Cinderella has to live through. So when Cinderella meets up with Sebastian again, he invites her to the ball. And he says, I want you there. And he leans in for a kiss. Stepmother interrupts. She sees the whole thing. She goes, oh, no, what am I going to do? Didn't get Cinderella not to come to the ball. And she then tells Cinderella, he doesn't want you there. He just felt bad for you. And then Cinderella turns around to see that Sebastian is talking to a bunch of other girls. And she gets that doubt. Maybe I'm not the person who he wants like that. And maybe I want that. Now... The two big problems with this is, one, we haven't felt that Cinderella has had any inkling towards romance with Sebastian at all before this moment. Maybe this was the moment to show that this was the case and that she viewed him more than as a friend, whereas Sebastian had, like, one of the better songs in the show, Only You, Lonely You, to show that that is exactly how he feels. But if that's the moment where she realizes she has feelings for him, okay, fine. The biggest problem with this moment is why would she believe the stepmother who has shown to be nothing but hurtful and abusive towards Cinderella 
making her sweep, denigrating her at home, and not believe Sebastian, who has been her friend this whole time. I know the moment is supposed to show the manipulation of the stepmother, but with Cinderella being shown to be as independent in the beginning and to not take shit from anybody, why is she now deciding to take shit to take this lie from the stepmother? And it doesn't make sense why she would believe her because her stepmother has been nothing but mean to her and not mean in a way where like in the classic Cinderella story, it's all Cinderella has. Cinderella is self-possessed throughout until this moment. And it makes no sense for her to change in that moment. I think it's the only way they could think to keep the story going. And on top of that, in the London version, her nickname is Cinderella. And in the, in the States version, her nickname is Bad Cinderella. So her real name is Cinderella, which... Okay, but the point of her being called Cinderella is that she, like, sweeps up the cinders. And calling her bad Cinderella is just like, that's your insult? You're you're bad. <laughs> We'd just be like, hey, John, you're bad, John. You're bad, John. <laughs> Man, have you, heard, have you heard about Marla? Marla sucks. She's bad, Marla. <laughs> So, at the end of the day, the point is that they wanted to share a different kind of story with Cinderella, which I think is a noble goal, addressing the sins of the original story and expanding on them, but it does so without actually expanding them. It just kind of plays, it has all these themes and they're just surface area. They don't make you feel anything about them. It just didn't feel cathartic at all there was no catharsis in her in cinderella's story and that is the biggest sin and it sucks because this should have been a star making performance for linetti but they just did not the creators the creatives just did not go far enough and they stumbled over each other i think especially david zippel's lyrics they were just falling all over each other and yeah, it could have been a really great Andrew Lloyd Webber children's musical, like in the same vein as Joseph, but it's it's not. And there's a reason why it closed early, which sucks. I want there to be a great Andrew Lloyd Webber musical in the 21st century. I really do. We would all be better off for it. Dude knows how to write a song. Like, as if we never said goodbye makes me weep. The score of Phantom is incredible. It watched Jesus Christ Superstar every Easter with my parents. It means a lot. Evita is probably his best show. But man, this this really did not work, which sucks. Anyway, thanks for your podcast. Love you both. Uh, I just want you to know that during that entire thing, I put my hair up in a messy, spiky bun, and I will forever now be known as Bad Marla. <laughs> um I'm unable to put my hair in a up in a spiky messy bun, so I'll have to tossle my pubes or something. <laughs> oh god <laughs> You could have like said you were gonna wear like that silly little like capelet kinda outfit she wears with like the tails, but no no. We, we yeah, but then I couldn't reference pubes. my pubes. Oh god. <laughs> no, I keep those pretty short too. Um, well, I agree with everything that Connor said. I mean, it, it was a good point that he brought up regarding, I mean, obviously we talked about how disjointed the whole plot is, but yeah, why, why is Cinderella, why does Cinderella suddenly just, why is she so meek all of a sudden when the stepmother's like, oh, he probably doesn't like you. And she's like, oh, he probably doesn't. I think that's not the character you established. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, they could try to make it work, like, in their heads by being like, oh, well, your relationship with your parental figures is very different, and they can reduce you to, you know, nothing, no matter how strong you think you are, and oh my god, I'm just ranting about my own life, aren't I? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I get get the self-doubt, yes, as soon as someone, 
you know, has a criticism, of course, there's that creeping feeling of self-doubt, I guess. But once again, we didn't really... If we had more of, like, Cinderella alone, Cinderella with others, Cinderella alone, Cinderella with others, and she was... John, then we'd have to be there longer. (laughs) Which nobody (laughs) Nobody wants. Nobody wants that. Nobody wanted. (laughs) I wanted Mary Godmother to have her own musical. Like, (laughs) she was... she was really good. I'll do a fairy godmother musical with just her. I thought she was good. I thought she was perfectly good. I, but, you know, her place in the show was definitely weird. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you for reaching out to us, Connor. Appreciate it. Love you, Connor. Connor McGiffin, folks. Uh, we're moving on to Tom Blakely. This was sent to us in July. Hi, Flop of the Heap. Fan of the show, but sort of new to musicals, wants to know. Why do producers continue to back bad shows? What's in it for them? Is it really like the show The Producers, where they want the show to flop to make money? How would that even work? <laughs> um, oh, God. That's actually a great question. I mean, it is a great I question. Did... I mean... I did a tour that that was definitely happening on, but <laughs> I don't Oh, right, because they kept canceling shows and sending you guys yeah, home. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, we'd show up and every other tour that was on the road would have a flyer except for us. So no one would show up. And any... Oh, oh, my God. Can you guys go put up posters downtown on Main Street this week? Yeah. I, I, every business is in the business of making money, and not every business is in the business of making art or medicine or food or whatever the thing is. So, like, the money people, not often, but are impulsed to make decisions solely on the money element and not on the final product, which needs to be a good piece of theater, a good food product, a good type of medicine, you know. And and we've learned so often that someone can put a lot of money behind something that is bad theater, bad art, or a product you know, the Oxycontin family, Sackler family, like, they all had to stand trial and lost some money, but none of them had to pay any price, (laughs) you know, for selling this bad product. So the same thing happens in theater, and it could be big scale or small scale, and you've got small producers that are good and or bad people, and you've got big producers that are good and or bad people. Like, you just don't, Nobody wants to be in a bad show, but actors want to work, and so they're often found. They often find themselves in perhaps not the best shows. It's tough that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the answer to that. I think it is too. All right, you want to tackle the next one? Yes. Uh, oh, is this the the real that follows me on TikTok that we're? I don't know. I think we're mutuals. Real? Uh, yeah. I just. Cool. I don't. I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce their name right. So. Um, This one's from Rill, and it says, So I can answer one of the questions from the second episode. Originally, Cinderella spray-painted a massive dick directly on Prince Charming's statue. That's right, because we had asked, or Katie had asked, why he just, like, stuck a easily removable spray-painted sheet on a statue, which is not very badass at all. (laughs) This is so much better. Like, yeah, the spray painted, di- spray painted dick. Okay. Oh my god! Which then caused the town to lose the prettiest town competition, and therefore the tourism income they depended on to survive. Holy shit! Okay. Where is all this subtext? Just See, this gone. is why the first few minutes of the play didn't work because they removed yeah. all of the plot. Which is why the queen decided to on rushing Sebastian into a wedding. This is the subtext we needed. We didn't what have any the of this. Lying fuck. This wow, makes this is so much wow, wow, better wow. now. I hate wow. these decisions. I mean, make. it was bad then, but at least it made more sense. There weren't all yeah. these plot holes. Jesus. They needed a reason to bring outsiders into the uh, town to spend money. No, I haven't been to a West End production of it. I did watch the YouTube videos of the West End production. Have you listened to Charming Song that didn't make it into the actual show? No, I didn't. Didn't even know that existed. Adam Lambert sings it on the concept album, and it's hilarious. Oh, I'll have to play a clip. Tell me, son, I 
The thing that really gets me with this musical is that it could have been a moving portrayal of being somewhere between unable to fit in and having tried to fit in but found it too distressing. Cinderella gives me both autistic vibes and trans mask vibes. Yes, okay, yes. I mean, yes to both of these, all of these things. Um, unfortunately, no one involved was qualified to actually take it there. Yes, good, good, good point, yes. Even if they had the guts to do so. And guess yes. what? Glad they didn't, because it was not their story to tell. Absolutely not. Yes, I have thought about this musical entirely too much. <laughs> Real thank you. That was a very hot take. Oh my god. I mean, that is that, that says a lot about the show, what if, for sure. What terrible decisions to, to take that out. Well, and did they were they not able to find someone with that voice to be part of the team? Or did they they just, like... I mean, good for them for not going there, because they very easily could have. Was the Schubert organization like, we will not have spray-painted dicks on our stage? Like, what? I don't know. I mean, I think um, in the recording that we just listened to of Connor, he does say that they are trying to create a quote-unquote kids show, a show that is family-friendly, you know? It's not G-rated, but it is an R. I guess. You know, it's something a little more palatable, but... Okay, next email is from Brooklyn Williams. Uh, this is our Raggedy Ann friend. Yes. Uh, hello hello again, John and Marla. If you're interested in learning more about Raggedy Ann, here's my response to your response to my email. If you <laughs> aren't interested in learning more about Raggedy Ann, you can ignore this completely. I still love the podcast and catch every new episode. Um, thank you. We love our regular listeners. Um, while Broadway critics were uh, extra harsh, per usual, we can't say they're entirely wrong. The Broadway version of the play is bad, partly because it was so much worse than the versions that came before it. Like your legs diamonds and your Spider-Mans, everything got reworked and rewritten during previews, even cutting the entire side plots of characters like Bat and Wolf, leading the show to focus on Raggedy Ann and Ivy. I will say it's amusing every time you bring up the fact that General D, <laughs> General Doom, <laughs> plans on marrying Marcella like it's a major part of what made the show as dark as it is, <laughs> while in fact <laughs> it's pretty much just a single line. <laughs> yes, well, that's all we have sometimes in our research is just the lines and lyrics. <laughs> um, his main motivation is to kill and eat her. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Sorry, I have to turn away from the, 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 the microphone. Excuse Wait. me? Excuse me? <laughs> yes, make sure you turn your head to the left. Oh my um, god. What? Okay, so he wants to he wants to f her and kill her and eat and her. Eat her. <laughs> In what order? Kill eat oh marry. Oh god. Um okay, so <laughs> Uh, Brooklyn goes on, no, the real darkest part of the show is the suicide scene, which reviewers in the 80s apparently didn't see as something incredibly notable. It's not Raggedy Ann who commits suicide, though she does sacrifice her heart for Marcella, effectively dying until she's revealed at the end alive and well. It's Marcella's mother who tries to hang herself by the clothesline. <gasps> Definitely out of place for the tone the show portrayed through its advertising and preconceived ideas of the character. Yes, yes, Raggedy Ann, why would I ever see the silhouette of a woman hanging herself with a clothesline in the show I brought my six-year-old to? Okay, (laughs) that was me, not not Brooklyn. Brooklyn continues. Also, the idea that it was based on the animated movie. The creators of the musical found the movie to be far too light and shallow. There may Excuse be dark. Excuse me. Well, there that may movie? be dark visuals, Brooklyn says, but to them, it lacked emotional depth. So, okay. it, it, the movie is not as dark as these plot points we talk about in Raggedy Ann. I guess Man. the movie is just creepy. It is creepy. The visuals, yes. The, yes. the animation style, the coloring, the darkness, the weirdness, the queerness the goo- of it all. The, 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 the uh, ooze candy monster. Yeah, that's just like sick and gross. Yeah. Um, uh, there was, in fact, a stage version of the movie, which Raposo's <gasps> songs did not make it into, and even he expressed wanting to be part of something more meaningful. The first attempt at the musical was made in 83 with writer Tim Mason, who had written some children's theater. The version didn't satisfy their need for change, so they got William Gibson on board, who had no history or intention of writing for children. With him, they could finally create something as far from the movie as possible. 
Um, still using Raposo's songs, however, he was contractually obligated. Brooklyn wraps up with, thank you for such a fun podcast. It's often a highlight of our day when a new episode is released. Brooklyn Williams, she, they, he, that is so nice to hear. Thank you for writing to us again. I'll talk about Raggedy Ann anytime you want. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I love talking about this shit. <laughs> Last time I was at a wedding, I made sure that I, I found a way to bring up Broadway flops to at least a dozen people. <laughs> and Brooklyn has uploaded some of our clips and as TikTok sounds. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, ready for the next one? Yes. Go ahead. Lori P. Lori from Los Angeles asks... Is there no one in the industry with influence and power that will tell... Andrew Lloyd Webber, no. <laughs> um, I, the answer is no. The answer must be no. The answer must be no, or else we wouldn't be suffering him today. <laughs> yeah, I think with with wealth plus ego, I think equals characters that aren't easy to collaborate with uh, is my assumption. I may be wrong. I'm going to put it out there. I think it might be the truth. Um, I think there just is no way to tell him particularly no. And it's not just because of his artistry. It's because of his producer presence, right? Yes. He has enough money to produce his own shit. He barely needs anyone else. And, and now, has he produced some other people's works over the years? Has he ever... I like, think he has. Um, I would hope so. I think one or two. If you know, please write us write us, and let us know. I think didn't that's the answer to that question. The Wizard of Oz, but didn't write it? I think that's friends? right. Well, he wrote a couple extra songs for it. Yeah. Okay, our next email is from Avita Pereira. Avita... Not the Akita writes, Why do flops happen? Aren't shows workshopped within an inch of their lives for years before making it to Broadway? Not always. <sighs> Not always. I think it is a magic concoction of ingredients. And I think that's what we've learned through a lot of these is that it's sometimes one and sometimes a couple ingredients that f*** it up. Sometimes it's a couple, sometimes it's one ingredient that makes it perfect. And that could be said for hit Broadway shows. You know, like, what made Hello, Dolly work? What made Guys and Dolls work? And Guys and Dolls and Dolly never would have been flops, of course, but they may not have been the epic hits that they were if not for all the right pieces coming together and all of the problems just kind of fading underneath the radar because so many other elements were so good. You know, mm -hmm. no show is without its flaws. No play, no book, no movie is without its flaws. If the director had more time, if the actors had better writing, if the writers had more uh, funding, like whatever the case may be, uh, not everyone is always ready to produce their best. Uh, mm -hmm. given any number of circumstances. And I, I, you know, a lot of times that does go back to the producer. So like if the producer trusts their director, writer, costumer, etc., they'll get good work out of them. I mean, we've had so many good producers. Think of all the good that Hal Prince did over the years. Like we forgive Hal Prince his flops, do we not? We do. I forgive Jerry Herman his flops. Less so, but yes. I don't know if Sondheim ever did. <laughs> <laughs> um... But I, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, the show, well, the, Avita's question is, are, aren't shows workshopped? Yes. Doesn't mean the people looking at the workshop have any taste. And it, it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that people... certain problems can't be fixed, yes. And it doesn't mean and it that... doesn't mean the people, you know, in charge are going to listen. That's true, like too. Like Maury Essen, for example, like notoriously won't change shit. And that may be his fatal flaw because yeah. several of his shows could have been just that tiny margin. They're already great shows, but they could have been just a little margin better if, if he not that for one song. that one song, that one sequence, that one. Yeah. Uh, just that's that's ego, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Um, you can read Katie's. <laughs> sure. Katie wants to know. 
Which version of the two Great Gatsby musicals, The Great Gatsby at Paper Mill and Gatsby at American Repertory Theater, are you rooting for? And why is it Gatsby at ART? <laughs> are either future flop material? What have you heard? What have you heard? I know nothing about the Paper Mill one. I've okay. seen lots of clips from... It seems like the, the other one, the not Paper Mill one is going to... Well, it's got the better buzz. It's got the better, maybe... It's got the big names. Uh, yeah, so what, it's Florence Welch, right? Welsh? Uh, Welch? I get... I don't know. I, it has Ava, what's-her-face, and Jeremy Jordan, right? Oh, as far as cast, yes. But yes. the Gats... The, of the ART Gatsby is Florence Welch from um, uh, Florence and the Machine, Florence. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes, and Thomas Bartlett is the producer, I think, and is also writing music with Florence Welch. I mean, I think that one is the one that's going to... Yes. This feels, doesn't this feel like um, Wild Party? Oh, yes, 100% Wild Party. Yeah. Not so much 100% The Two Phantoms. No. Phantom. The opera's been invaded by a phantom. The opera's been invaded by a phantom. <laughs> well, we'll see about this one. I mean, Paper Mill has been doing some good work lately and good work historically, but doesn't always hit the mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Paper Mill production is by Kate Kerrigan, Jason Howland, and Nathan Tyson. Who's directing? I have no idea. I know Nathan Tyson wrote uh, Tuck Everlasting. And Jason Howland wrote Little Women. And Jason Howland won a Grammy for the Beautiful album, but he didn't write it. He produced it. So they're all, like, industry people, but I want, like... Well, of course, Gatsby is being musicalized because it's public domain this year. Oh, is that why it's happening? Yes. Yes. 1923, 2023, or November. <laughs> I mean, it, it probably became public domain like August 1st, and so we now have buzz about it in November. Mm-hmm. So, like, they knew that it was coming, and they've been working on it, and now it's here, and there's two productions. And that's literally the same reason why Phantom started being theatricalized when it was. And... Oh, and it's directed by Rachel Chafkin? Now, who's that? Um, the Hades Town uh, director. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And, um... Great comment. Well, there's also been a bunch of, like, fanfic about Gatsby recently. Have you heard about that? No. Like, somebody wrote a prequel novel about um, the main character. I forget his name. Nick, I think. See, when I think of, like, fanfiction, I, like, am expecting hot, steamy, like, internet <laughs> Well, fanfiction. I'm sure they threw some of that in. It's not, like, hentai, hentai or anything. But it's, like, <laughs> um, you know, like a prequel novel, like his backstory before Gatsby begins. That's kind of cool. I like that shit. Yeah. I just, like, I'm afraid that just the fact that it's Gatsby is going to turn people off. I just think they're going to be like, wasn't I forced to read that in high school? I don't want to. Uh, well, no, I don't think so. I think it's probably one of the so? reasons it'll sell tickets is because it, it's if it isn't recognizable, you're just not going to buy a ticket to it. That's just, like, marketing 101, unfortunately, in twenty, the 2020s. Um, it's too bad, but it's kind of how it is. I, it sucks. All right, we got some we got some uh, Patreon members to thank. Thank you to new Patreon member Andrew Hendrick, actor boy Andrew. Yes, at AOL.com. <laughs> at Earthlink.net. Andrew is currently performing on the national tour of Come From Away. Thank you for listening, Andrew. We love you. Um, Thank you also to new Patreon member Michelle. Michelle Sesco is our great friend, currently working uh, on (laughs) day work for Merrily We Roll Along. Uh, Michelle's a Broadway dresser, wardrobe supervisor. She's worked backstage at Moulin Rouge, Groundhog Day, Jersey Boys, SpongeBob, tons of other shows. She was on Jersey Boys for, I think, a decade. Um, She's currently uh, at Merrily. We've mentioned oh, Michelle before. That's she, how you got there. She hooked us up with Richard Blake and Tony Galdi for Prince of Central oh, yeah. Park. Yeah. And she knows everybody. Um, okay, so we talked about Sutton. We talked about Tevate. We talked about... Um, um, trivia was fun. Let's do a whole episode that's just trivia. Just trivia? Yes. And thank you, everyone, for writing in. It, it means a lot. We're really glad that people listen and like it. <laughs> um...
It shocks me every day. It, I know. It is surprising. And we, we love you all for being as nerdy as we are. Uh, yeah, comment. If you haven't, if you listen to us regularly and haven't commented yet on like iTunes or something, please just leave a comment. Even if it's just a heart or a smiley face or like, I don't know, the, the drama masks or something, just comment because that really helps. Um, thank you for joining us for this special episode of Flop of the Heap. Follow us on Instagram at Flop of the Heap or email us at show at flop of the heap podcast.com to suggest our next flop. Like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to be listening, and be sure to leave us a comment. The Flop of the Heap <laughs> podcast is researched, recorded, edited, and produced by me, Marla Alpert, and only me. <laughs> no, actually, it's mostly edited by me. <laughs> Now. 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 Uh, Today. Okay. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> Learn more about how you can support our Floptastic endeavors by joining us at patreon.com slash flop of the heap podcast. For as little as $5 a month, you too can be a flop of the heap podcast supporter. Okay, I'm going to go finish my wine. All right, I'm going to finish this beer. Love you. Love ya, bye. Okay, bye.